I'm excited to be here this morning. We're continuing this Advent uh, celebration this time of year. We're in 1 John chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, go to 1 John and chapter number 3. And we're going to begin in verse number 11 and go from 11 really to the end of the chapter. Uh, but we'll read from 11 to 18 in just a moment. But uh, just talking about loving like Jesus loves. Uh, to love like Jesus. And uh, I don't know about you, but I love Christmas. I love the season and everything about the season. I love the sights of the season. I love to go out and look at the lights. I love to look at the ugly sweaters. I love to watch the movies. Uh, two favorite movies are It's a Wonderful Life and Charlie Brown. Uh, that's my two favorite Christmas movies. I love the sights. I love the sounds. I love to hear the choirs sing. I love to sing the songs. I love to go on the caroling and have a wonderful time with all the sounds. I love the smells of the season. Uh, cutting down a Christmas tree and smelling it even though ours is fake. Uh, I still like to go and smell the live ones uh, just because there's something about it that just kind of grabs your heart Christmas season. The smells, the smells of baked goods and this time of year I don't think calories count so you just enjoy it. But, uh, but, but all, of, all, all of the season, everything about the season is just moving. But I'm telling you, man, the story of Christmas, uh, the story of Christmas, and it's not just a story, it's the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, it's, it's an amazing story. When you talk about the story, it's an amazing picture and display of love and what it's all about. And, uh, you know, the Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And then it goes on in John chapter 1, and it says, and the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. And so we have this special time of year, Christmas, when we celebrate uh, the birth of Jesus Christ. It's, it's, it's not... In one sense, it's a beginning. In another sense, it's a continuation. Uh, why is it a continuation? Simply because Jesus always has been and always will be. But God became flesh. It's a different dispensation that took place when Jesus Christ came through the Virgin Mary and was born in a little town of Bethlehem in a little stable in a little manger. And the shepherds came in. You, remember, you know the story. The shepherds come in and they walk away praising God. Man, they just... Their eyes just beheld the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And they were moved by an incredible display of love. You know, this time of year is a time of year that we get together and we celebrate Christmas season. We celebrate it with those that we love. You know, it's an incredible time of, of, of really an expression of love. You have the privilege and opportunity to gather with those people that you love, those family and friends that you love, and you gather together. And, and, and this Christmas season, I just wonder how many of us will... Display love to those that are unlovable. How many of us will display love to our enemies? Aren't you thankful that's what Jesus did for you? And that's what this text is all about. It's about his wonderful love for us. And God, help me love like Jesus loves you know, if all we do is love those who love us back, we're no different than the rest of the world. But God says in his word, Matthew chapter number 5, you're the salt. of the earth. You're different. You're distinct. You're a child of the king. Therefore, love like Jesus loved. Love like Jesus loved. God help me. 
to love like Jesus loves. 1 John chapter number 3, and we're going to begin down in verse number 11 and following. And the Bible says this, For this is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of the evil one and slew his brother. And for what reason did he slay him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's good and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and in truth. And this morning, just talking about loving like Jesus loved. You know, this short letter, when you're reading 1 John, I'm going to encourage you this morning. Uh, go back and read it this week. 1 John chapter 1 through chapter number 5, just a short little epistle, but it's a very clear letter. In other words, there's not a whole lot of black and white when you read through this little letter. It's very clear, very direct. In fact, he says this in 1 John chapter number 5 at the close uh, about the purpose for his writing. 1 John chapter number 5, he says in verse number 13, "...these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life." What's he saying? What he is simply saying is this, when you're talking about the Christian faith, it is not a hope-so religion. I hope I'm going to heaven. I hope I'm right with God. I hope, well, at the end of the day, I know. How do I know? Because it's written in his word. John says, hey, read this little letter right here. And in this little letter, it's interesting because when you read through there, he talks about two things. In fact, he, the recurring themes as we read through are love and obedience. Love and obedience. To love and to obey. To love and to obey. You'll find it uh, uh, repeated, but it's not just simply repetitious. It's a different perspective of the same subject. And so he says, hey, Two birthmarks of every believer. Two birth, it's not optional. It's, it's, it's when you got born again. When you got born from above, the Holy Spirit of God came in and dwelt within your heart. And when he indwells within a person, he begins to change them from the inside out. That's what he does. That's his work. And so as a result of that, there are two birthmarks of every believer. They're going to be a person that when you encounter them, you're going to say, that person loves people. There's a love about them. They love Number two, they obey. They obey the word of God. Does that mean that they are always loving and always obeying? Man, we all fail along the way. But at the end of the day, if you look at that person's life, you would say they are loving and they are obeying. Today, he's addressing this subject of love. He's, he's addressing this subject of love right here. And he says, number one, I want you to notice the love of Jesus displayed. The love of Jesus displayed. And then he goes on from there and talks about the love of Jesus demanded to love like Jesus. And that was demanded of us. But first of all, that which is displayed is found in verse number 16. And the Bible says, we know love by this. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. <clears throat> and so I'm grateful, again, for his love for us. 
You know, when we talk about love, and, and, and those who have been around church, you know, we, we talk about love, and we know John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. This subject of love is one that when you really dive into it, we can't even begin to grasp the heights of God's love for you. We can't begin to understand or imagine the depth of his love, that the one who was in the beginning, when time came, he stepped off the throne of heaven and came and was born and took on flesh. That's what he did for you and for me. His love is beyond our comprehension. We can't begin to grasp the height or the depth or the breadth of how much he loves us. You know, in fact, when you're talking about this Jesus, this Christmas season, that's my prayer that we would remember his love for us. When you see the little baby in a manger, just remember this. He didn't come just to create Christmas holiday for you and for me. It's not why he did it. He came for the cross. Not about a holiday. He came for the cross. In fact, the Bible says in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, just a moment ago, they read, God demonstrated his great love for us and that while we were si sinners, Christ died for us. You know what he's saying? You know what his word teaches us? When Jesus Christ laid down his life for you and for me, he didn't do it because we were friends. He didn't do it because we were lovable. No, before you got saved, you were an enemy of Jesus Christ. That's what he says. You were an enemy, and yet he still laid down his life for us. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 7, the Bible says it like this, But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. I'm grateful for his love for us. You know, when you're talking about his love, you see, in this passage of Scripture, what he does is he uses the love of Christ as our standard of measure for our love. So the question has to be asked, do we love like Jesus loved us? When you consider his love, his love was sacrificial. Uh, his love was unconditional. That was his love that he extended. When we're talking about love, we're not talking about just some sentimental emotion, but rather we're talking about a choice, a decision. I will love, no matter what. And that's what he did for you and for me. He knew everything about me. He knew all of my weaknesses. He knew my struggles. He knew my failures. And yet he came and laid down his life for me and for you. And he did it because of his great love. That's why he stayed on the cross. You do know that he wasn't martyred for the faith. He wasn't a martyr. He was a willing sacrifice. He willingly laid his life down. There's a huge difference. It wasn't the nails that kept him on the cross. He could have come down at any moment, but he didn't. It wasn't because he enjoyed it, because he didn't. 
In fact, in the Garden of Gethsemane, as he prayed, he said, Dear God, if there's another way, please let it be. But I love him, and I'll obey. And he laid down his life for you and for me because there's no other way. There is no other way. That's the kind of love by which we need to measure ourselves. You know what happens to us a lot of times if we're not careful? Is, is, is we look at ourselves and rather than looking to Jesus, we look to others. Say, so, man, you know, I'm, I'm going to love them like they're going to love them. And the problem with that, we are lowering our standard. And John's just saying, hey, listen, love like Jesus. How can you, how can you, who were loved, not extend love? That's his point. And so he goes on and says, love them like Jesus loved you. The Bible says in verse number 11, For this is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, that we should love one another. It's interesting, and I know that most all of you have heard, you know, when you're looking through uh, uh, the language of love, when we talk about love, it, it is interesting because in English we do talk about love, and, and it's not very often that we talk about the Greek language in here. Uh, uh, but when you're talking about love, it's interesting because we just talk about love and use it for all kinds of of, 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 uh, of, of relationships. You know, like, for example, this morning, I would tell you, uh, man, I love a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Yeah. Amen. Can I get a witness? <laughs> hey, I love my wife. <laughs> it's, it's not the same, all right? It's not the same. But we use one word. And so in the Greek, we see all these different words, man. And in fact, throughout the New Testament, what we have found is there's four different Words for love that we recognize, all right, uh, when you're looking at the Greek language. And, and, and each one has a little bit different perspective on it when you're talking about this issue of love. Uh, when you're talking about love, there is this erotic love, this love that's driven by passion. And, and so we have this type of love uh, that we see. We have another kind of love uh, that what it, it, it talks about familial type of love and then we have another type of love that talks about a brotherly love. And then we've all heard the term agape love, right? Agape love. Now here's what's interesting about the word agape. Agape was not a word in the Greek language until Jesus Christ came. Didn't exist. Why? Because we've never seen a love like this. Agape love. Unconditional love. It's not because I see them and my heart is moved towards them. It's not because this baby was born to me and so I love them like a daddy or love them like a mother. It's not because he's my brother or my sister. Agape love is unique to God Almighty. I love them because they were enemies and they were perishing and I don't want them to go there and I want a relationship with them. Therefore, I'm going to come into this world and lay down my life and pay the price. And I'm going to love them unconditionally and sacrificially. Agape them. And John's saying, that's how you love the world. And do you realize this morning that unless you are saved, it's impossible to love like Jesus loves? It's supernatural. I can't love in my flesh like he calls me to love. And so many of us fail. Why? Because I depend on my own strength. 
And he says you need love with agape love. John chapter 13, the Bible says it like this. In John 13, 34 and 35, the Bible says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And so John here in verse 11, he's just simply saying, hey, listen, you should love one another. And then he goes on in verse number 12, and he basically gives four different planes of living life. And, and, and it's almost as if when you look at, these, uh, at this text, it's interesting when you look at this text, because it's as if uh, John goes all the way down to the very depth of depravity of mankind and begins to walk up a staircase out of the depth of depravity, the level or the plane upon which some people live life. And he says, here's, here's, here's the heart, okay? You ever heard it said this before? <clears throat> uh, when you're talking about love, love is a matter of the heart. You ever heard that said? Love is a matter of the heart. So if, if love be a matter of the heart, then the question has to be asked, well then, how's my heart today? And I pray that God would examine our hearts from his word as John walks through these different planes of love. And the first plane, he goes all the way down to the depths, and it is a homicidal heart. It's a homicidal heart. In verse number 12, he says, Not as Cain. In other words, the first three levels that he talks about and addresses, he says, This is not how you should live your life. This is not it. And so he begins, and he says, don't have a homicidal heart. He says, not as Cain, who was of the evil one, and slew his brother. And for what reason did he slay him? Because his deeds were evil, and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, brethren, if the world hates you. And so don't have a homicidal heart. It's interesting when you look at the story that he's making reference to. He's talking about Cain and Abel. We find the story back in Genesis chapter number 4 and the story of these two brothers. Cain was a keeper of the fields out there and he grew all of these different uh, 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 plants. And, and his brother Abel, Abel was a keeper of the flocks and so he had all of the herds out there. And these two brothers, all of a sudden they came to worship. If you know the story, they came to worship. And Cain brought in what he thought would Please the heart of the Father. I'm going to bring some of my fruit, some good fruits. But somewhere along the way, they were taught that, listen, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. And so when you're talking about coming into the presence of God, you come, you come into his presence in the way that he has revealed to you and not what you think is best. Does that make sense? In other words, we're living in a world today that says, man, I, I, can, I can please God a lot of different ways. Well, the fact of the matter is, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Jesus is the only way into the presence of God Almighty. And so you go His way, or there is no other way. And what an insult and an assault on the blood of Jesus Christ to think that. I'm going to work my way into his presence. If that were possible, then he wouldn't have had to lay down his life. But it was impossible. Therefore, he laid down his life for you. So we have this one brother that comes and he sheds blood and his offering was acceptable. And the other brother comes and he makes an offering. So he's religious. Raised in a good family. Same mom and dad. And yet, the two brothers were worlds apart. 
And all of a sudden, jealousy crept up into his heart. And this morning, hey, listen, he was there. You know why he was there? He wasn't even saved. And this morning, you may be in this building and you may not even be saved. In other words, there's a jealousy because why? Well, because they did something right and I'm just jealous and I'm ticked off about it. And you say, well, I've never committed murder. Well, be careful. Homicide is the ultimate act, but there are many people that commit what Scripture teaches is homicide of the heart. Homicide of the heart. And that's the next level that John addresses is a hateful heart. He goes on into verse number 14 and 15. He says, We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. And it's so full. This text is so full. But we know that we passed out of life into death and out of death into life because we love the brethren. He's saying, hey, listen, the birthmark of every believer is a love for the brethren. There ought to be a love that's there. And that's a decision. And so the question's got to be asked this morning, seriously, for those that say, man, I, I just kind of attend occasionally, but maybe I'm just visiting here today. Well, my question would be, what makes you think that you're right with God Almighty if you're just a visitor in church? I know those people down there. Well, you know what? God knew me, and he still loved me. And that's what the church is about. The church is about extending unconditional love, receiving unconditional love. It's a loving place. And John's just simply saying, hey, you know what? One of the evidences of our salvation is that there's a love for the brethren. But then he goes on to say, but you know what? Sometimes we gather together and people hide hatred in their heart. That's what he's saying. So he goes to this next level. He says, a hateful heart. He says, it's it's not cool to have a hateful heart to harbor hate. Matthew 5, Jesus equates it with murder. Matthew chapter number 5, he goes on and he says it like this. Matthew 5, 21 and 22. You sh- you've heard it said, the ancients were told, uh, you shall not commit murder, and whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. Whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever says, you fool, shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. He's just simply saying, hey, listen, a hateful heart is morally equivalent to the one who actually commits homicide, literally. Morally, it's equal. That's what Jesus is saying. Now, obviously, we know that there's different consequences for those actions. I mean, I can harbor hatred and not commit murder because there's different levels of consequence for it. So this morning, if you're here and you hate me in your heart, don't Don't do the action. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Repent before you get to that point. But he's just simply saying, hey, listen, love them. Love them like Jesus loved you. You know, one of the things that we do, especially people that are churched and religious. I grew up in church all my life, and I know the language, and I know what it's supposed to do. You know what God calls me doing is good book. You know, let's say stuff. 
And he just says to love them. Love them from a sincere heart, from a pure heart. And we sanctify sometimes our hateful heart and hide behind our words. I mean, I love them in the Lord. And yet in my heart, do I really love them? John says, don't have a hateful heart. Love like Jesus loved you. Love like Jesus loved you. Verse 16 and 17, he continues on as he's climbing up from this depth. And he comes up to a plane that I would say many are stuck right here this morning. Verses 16 and 17, we know love by this, that he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's good and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? He's just say, saying, hey, don't be, don't be hard-hearted. Don't close your heart when you see the needs around you. You know, when you're talking about the world, the world says, hey, preserve yourself, and yet God in his word says, hey, sacrifice yourself for others. Go work hard, not for your own needs, but also so that you might meet the needs of others around you. God, help me love like Jesus loved. <clears throat> you know, he tells a whole story over in Luke's gospel, Luke chapter number 10. When you look at Luke chapter number 10, the story of what we call the Good Samaritan. You're familiar with that story? The Good Samaritan. There was a man that was walking down the road and he got the he got beat bad and left for dead on the side of the road. And along came a Samaritan, and he looked, he saw the need, but he said, oh my goodness, I have somewhere I've got to be. And he walked down and walked away. You know the story. The Levite was the same way. He walked along, and he saw a man beaten on the side of the road. He said, man, that's going to cost me a bit much. I don't have the time to give. Got somewhere I got to be. And all of a sudden, a Samaritan came along. And he took care of that man. And he brought him down to the Holiday Inn. Checked him in there. And he let him know, hey, listen, I'm going to come back through town. Take care of this guy. And I'm going to take care of the bill. And that's a story of what Jesus did for you and for me. And he says, you go and do likewise. Love them, not just with your talky-talky, but in your walkie-walkie. Love them. A lot of times we talk about love. We need love. We need love. We know we need love. I read a story. I, I was thinking about this subject this week. I read a story about this uh, little boy <clears throat> walking down the streets of Chicago early on a Sunday morning. He was hustling across town. He was hustling, working, 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 working. <sighs> Where are you going, son? The man stopped him. Man, I'm going to church. <laughs> I'm going to church. 
He said, man, there's a church back there. And I know there's another church back there. Where, where are you going? He said, I'm going to Mr. Moody's church. Why, why would you pass by all these other churches to go to Mr. Moody's church? He said, because they know how to love people there. And I wonder, <clears throat> when people come into Morningside, do they say, they know how to love somebody there? See, a lot of times what we do, <clears throat> here's where we are. We don't even take the time to get to know somebody around us. You know them person? You know that person? No, nah, I don't. Why not? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I mean, I mean, how do you how do you love some? How do you love? How do you love? That's a great question. That's a great question. How do I love? How do I know? How do I wanna, how do I know, let people know that I love them? How do I let them know that I love them? Is that not a good question? It's a good question. And I think here, simple, simple. Here's where it begins, right? Here's where it begins. Hey, you are looking good today. <laughs> no, don't, don't say that. Don't say that, all right? <laughs> hey, my name is Brian, and I am so glad you're here. What's your name? Okay, good. <laughs> I know I'm having fun with it. I'm just saying. What did it cost me to say, good morning? What's your name? How are you doing? Where are you from? I'm so glad you're here today. I want to love you. And I want you to know God loves you. And I want to be a conduit through which God Almighty can love on you. Not that you have to go there and speak that, but you show that. How? By getting outside of my comfort zone. I don't know them. I don't know them. I can't talk to them. Sure, you can, you can go up to people you don't know. Just talk to them. How you doing? I'm glad you're here today. It's good to see you. Glad you're here. It's touch. It's love. God help us love. It's where it begins. And you find out there's a need. You know what? Could it be that God put you there to use you? as his hands and feet? And how many times do we miss opportunities that God says, here's an opportunity for you to make a kingdom difference? And rather than loving, hey, uh, can somebody from the church go down there and visit them? Because I think there's a need over there. You are the church. You are the church. Love them like Jesus loves. Don't have a heart of indifference that just walks away, walks down the other side of the street. But love them. That's what Jesus did for you. And that's what John says to go and to do in verse number 18. Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and in truth. James says it that way. James chapter number 1, and in verse number 22, James says it like this, But prove yourselves doers of the word, and not merely hearers who delude themselves. 
There's a price to pay if we're to love like Jesus loved us. But at the end of the day, <clears throat> the blessing far outweighs the price that any of us will ever have to pay. He goes on, verse number 19, to the end of the chapter, and he just says, hey, listen, there's some blessings that come from loving like Jesus loved. The first one that he talks about, <clears throat> verse number 19 through 21, he talks about assurance. He says, we will know by this that we are of the truth and we'll assure our heart before him and whatever our heart condemns us, for God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. He says, you, you, you've got assurance. Be careful when you read these verses because you say, well, is that saying that we should just let our conscience be our guide? Absolutely not. Not unless you're Jiminy Cricket. No, he's saying, listen, a believer will love. Other people might try to love, but a believer will love. You have that obligation. You have that privilege. You have that innate nature within you because you're born again and the Holy Spirit of God is indwelling within you. And when I do extend that kind of love, then I recognize that, man, that's God in me. It brings assurance to my life. Remember he wrote 1 John 5, so that you might know? Well, how do you know? Man, he's put a love in my heart. He's put a love. I just can't help it. I just love people. He put a love in my heart. He says, if that love's there, it's an assurance. This is not only that, but you'll have answered prayer. Verse number 22. Whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. And some people kid themselves in thinking that, man, I can live like hell and go to God and he just is waiting to hear from me. And the Bible says this in Psalm 66 in verse number 18. Psalm 66, verse 18. If I regard wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Answered prayer. And then the opportunity to abide in fellowship with our Father. Verses 23 and 24. This is His commandment that we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ. Love one another just as He commands us. The one who keeps His commandments abides in Him. And He in Him. We know by this that He abides in us by the Spirit whom He has given. Hey. If you are out of fellowship with the family of God, you're out of fellowship with the Father. That's what he's saying. This morning, my prayer is that we would begin to grasp again how much God Almighty loves us. And how he wants to use us to impact this world. Where does a person go to be loved like he ought to be loved when he comes to church? There ought to be no other place on the planet that loves like when they come into the family. God, help us this Christmas season to love like Jesus loves. Help us to love like Jesus loves. Would you do me a favor this morning and join me for a time of prayer? <clears throat>
And as we pray this morning, as we're going to be praying in just a moment, I just want to encourage you and ask you this Christmas season, hey, maybe you're here this morning and you've never been born again to be born from above. God loves you so much. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Why would He do that? Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And your sin separates you from God. But He desires relation with you. So He came and He demonstrated His great love for you and that while we were still sinners, He died on the cross for you. Because without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. So he paid the price for you so that you could have intimacy with him. Sins forgiven. They put him in a grave and three days later, they raised from the dead and he's alive today. And he desires an intimate relationship with you. Not religion or religious activity, but a living and loving relationship with God Almighty through his son, Jesus Christ. And if you've never called on his name then today let this be the day that you call on his name in just a moment we'll have people waiting for you this morning you come but maybe you're hearing your brother or sister and you would say man i i've just kind of grown indifferent and cold towards people maybe you're here and you would even take it a step further and say man i i've really just harbored some some hatred towards people and you know who you know who wouldn't it be wonderful if this Christmas season you extended love even to those that haven't been loving towards us That's what Jesus did for you. God, help us to love. Help us, God. Thank you for loving us unconditionally. Thank you for being so merciful. God, thank you for your amazing grace. And God, this morning, I just pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would search our hearts. Oh, Father, thank you for your Spirit enabling us to do what you call us to do. God, we love you. We thank you so much for this time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.